everybody, and welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I am Tim. And I am Willie. Willie, how's it going? It's going, man. Doing pretty good. Um, Just, uh, you know, I don't know. Living life, man. Living life. Uh, that's always good. I um, we're, uh, we're remote again. I just want to give everybody a heads up. We like to get together. This is... Uh, so, I just got back from my vacation. This is why we had a week off, too. I took my yes. vacation. I, I was on vacay for the last week. I was, let me tell you something about, so I was on a, uh, I was on a cruise. Uh, the yes, that's right. Very fancy. I, as you can tell, I'm getting older. I go on cruises now. So <laughs> I've never say, done a cruise. I didn't play shuffleboard, which I think is what you're supposed to do as you get older. And go do on you cruise. like these cruises? You guys have done a few of these, right? My wife loves them and I like certain ones. Yeah. So my wife and my, um, my family love them and I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Gotcha. And there are uh, like I'm not I'm not going to do like advertisements for the cruise companies that I sure. do enjoy, but there is one specific one that I enjoy going on. So anyway, so sure. let me tell you about this real quick. Let's uh, let's let's get talking about this real quick. Okay. So I'm uh, as far as I know, I'm COVID free because here's what had to, you had to happen to get on this cruise. So yes, you had to you had to go there. You had to be double vaxxed. So you had to have yes. both both your shots or I believe one of the J and J shots. Um, right. So you had to do that. And then let me tell you about, Oh, so I've, I've paid all this money for the cruise and it's already out of my bank account. So I think they would probably refund me, but they make you take a COVID test before you get on the cruise. And so I had, they take you in this tent and they swab your nose and they do the, have you taken a COVID test? I have I mean, not. I, yeah, here's the thing with that. We don't leave the house. And here's the crazy thing about the last couple of years. I've not been sick in like two years. It's been it's been amazing. Everybody's wearing a mask. There's a horrible disease. Awful. Uh it's it's dreadful just for the humankind. But honestly, the last two years for my health have been fantastic. <laughs> shows, I guess it, if anything, it shows us we probably should have been wearing masks during <laughs> flu season to begin with. <laughs> the whole time. I cannot like I used to get like before the last couple of years, I'm jinxing this completely. So I'm knocking out wood right now. Okay. I would get sick like four times. Anytime the seasons changed, I would get sick, like just yeah. sick as a dog, but I've been perfectly fine uh, the last couple of years. So yeah, this was, this was the first time I had taken one too, because I, if I have even felt kind of bad, I've just stayed in the house. So, um, right. right. Uh, <laughs> so, Which anyway. is probably good for you too. I mean, you just kind of, I don't know. You just, you, instead of like, you know, uh, toughing it out, you're you're like, oh, I'm not going to take a chance, you know. Right. It's pretty. This is what I probably should have been doing my entire life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So there are lessons you, to be learned. I think. <laughs> so they make you take this test and they swab your nose. It feels very weird, and so then they send you on to another tent. So you go from the testing tent to a my tent. God. Where you just have to sit with a bunch of people for like a half hour, I think a half hour or 45 minutes while you just dread the results of this test. Because the other thing with the test is it's one of the quicker tests. So it's not yeah. always, it's not 100% accurate. So sure. you could get a false positive. Um, and then they would make you, uh, they would have you retake it, I think as well. But you're just sitting there and it's just like, you like, what are you going to talk about other than like, yeah, because you can't even talk about what you're going to do on the vacation because you're like, am I going to have a vacation? They should just, <laughs> you, you feel like you're in death row. Like it's like, there's <laughs> like a waiting, like that's horrible. <laughs> they could just, yeah. Walk me out. Yeah. They could set a couple of, yeah. I don't know. People in hazmat suits or something and just walk, walk me out of there. So anyway, I passed, 
Uh, and then I was on it. And then I'm on there. So I'm on the cruise. And what I originally was saying is I didn't have access to internet or like social media for a week. No, you did not. No. Uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, this was also fantastic. Like yeah. nothing, there was nothing bad about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was focused on things. That was great. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. You were living a life that wasn't. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was, I was experiencing the world around me. Yeah. Uh, not just buried it, like looking at whatever dumb thing I could find. It's kind so, of amazing, yeah. isn't it? I did miss a lot of texts that never came through. Um, I, I don't know if I missed anything. That's for the best. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, nobody seems like really pissed off at me for yeah. not answering them. Most of the texts I get are like not super important anyway. So, and anybody that would have texted me important was like on the cruise with me. So, yeah. Well, not anybody, but you know what I mean. Immediately, most folks. So uh, there you go. But then now I'm back, and uh, so then um, I took another coat because I wanted to be responsible too. So I bought, uh, I got one of those uh, at home COVID tests as well. Right. So I did that um, and tested negative and then I should talk about um, I should talk about my uh, trip to the theater to see this after I test it because I'm like, OK, now I'll go and I'll wear my mask though the entire time. too. <laughs> um, so I'll go to the theater. Uh, so I, I get to the theater and I realize I don't have to be like I don't really have to test or wear a mask because there's nobody at this 430 p.m. show. Yeah. <laughs> and That's the amazing. guy. The guy at the theater made sure to mention this to me multiple times, which was so weird. So I go up there and I um, I buy the ticket. I'm like, a one for Resident Evil, uh, 4.30 show. And he's like, you're going to be the only one there. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay. Do, you want, do you want me to not? Like, oh, I can go find a cam version at home. Like, what's your deal, buddy? The theaters are hurting. I hear it all the time. And so yeah, I, are you upset with me right now? Or <laughs> yeah what's your what's your deal so i go yeah that's fine and i go it's one for resident evil and he goes all right so he hands it to me he prints it off and he goes theater five <laughs> theater five you'll be the only one in it <laughs> so, I, so i just sit i kind of like give a look like what the hell is wrong with you man <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so, I was like what is this guy's deal so i get in there and i got my chicken fingers because i haven't eaten dinner so i got a nice healthy dinner of chicken there you go there you go and like i said i'm just the only person in there until about 30 seconds into the movie this very lovely couple walks in and they're carrying like a tray i don't know where they got this tray and they've just got a bunch of popcorn on it so they just i guess they just had the tray in front of them they passed popcorn back okay okay (laughs) i don't it was like a weird it was like a lunch lady like a a lunchroom tray for like high school it was very strange interesting what a, what a what a journey so yeah so um you know we, we're still doing remote because um uh you know tim and i talked and, I, and we're being uh overly Legal. careful and i think believe the the term is an abundance of caution yeah I think um so. is what we yeah uh just purely because um the holidays are coming up we're gonna be seeing family you know i don't know better i would i would hate to ruin or screw up the um the holidays uh because you know i got sick so yeah we got so here we, got we are the, yeah everybody you got to be safe you got the omicron running around what's it called yeah i don't know much about the omicron but <laughs> Just nobody else does either so you're yeah yeah i was gonna say definitely anybody does you're the same boat as everybody the experts else have no idea either so it's fine <laughs> We just know it's called an Omicron. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So there you go. So that's what, uh, that's a, a very long explanation of why we're doing it. And I also just got a uh, quick text from my brother who just says, uh, 
Tremors on Netflix. Oh, good. <laughs> so, good. A little PSA for At my brother. Just letting you know. <laughs> so Just keep me up to date. I figure I would pass that information along as well. Uh, Willie, uh, you got anything to talk about real quick? Or no, about? no, nothing too terribly exciting. Um, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Okay, you you ready to uh, let's uh, let's see what the game nerds are doing real quick, and then what we'll are the game nerds up to? I always like those rascals. You know, they yeah. just they keep me laughing, um, keep me thinking. Absolutely. They keep me laughing. They keep me thinking. They keep me playing. They keep uh, me hungry because I every time I listen to them, I want to eat. Right. Yeah. Uh, they are so they just dropped a side quest. Oh, Halo Infinite. They played the uh, multiplayer beta um, a week or yeah. so back. And they're they're talking about retail war stories and the Dark Pictures Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes. Do Excellent. you have any retail war stories that you would? So like? many. <laughs> so many. I could do a whole podcast on them. Yeah. Oh, this is the one where John's voice is apparently very deep. Um, I remember okay. this being talked about in our Discord, uh, which you can have access to, uh, patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet. But yeah, apparently his voice is very deep on this episode. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know what that means. So, uh, me John has hit puberty. It has happened. <laughs> officially. Congrats. Congrats. Amen. I remember, yeah. Amen. I remember when that happened to me. It's beautiful. So, all right. So. Thing. Let's, uh, you ready? We're going to be talking about Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. We are. Yes. New movie. Uh, we don't do this. We do. I guess we do it more often now than we used to, but we don't do it too often. Um, you know, new movies, but I think you and I were both pretty excited for this one. So why the heck not? Yeah. Whenever there's a new movie that comes out that we're excited for, we like to like to mix it in or if it's one that, yeah, that we've seen and talk about. Yeah. This is, it just came out in theaters and we were a little bit behind, I guess, covering it. Um, But this is Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, set in 1998. This origin story explores the secrets of the mysterious Spencer Mansion and the ill-fated Raccoon City. Or as Wesker continually says, Raccoon, right? Raccoon. (laughs) Raccoon City. Raccoon. Raccoon, I've never heard it. I've spelled it that way before, but never heard it pronounced that way. You never heard it pronounced that way? Oh, yeah, 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 that's the thing. Raccoon. Raccoon. It's probably, is it the correct pronunciation? Probably. (laughs) I don't know for sure, but you know what? It probably is. Raccoon. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I can see like that being an actor thing where like the actor researched it beforehand. The proper. Oh, totally. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're gonna say it like that over and over. Well, I think Tom Hopper, who plays Wesker, is British. I'm pretty sure, ah, so that could be part of it too. Very true, very true. Uh, directed by Johan Roberts, written by one Mister Johan Roberts, starring Kaya, Kaya, Kaya Scodelario, Scodelario, Robbie Amell, brother of Stephen Amell, star of the hit show Heels, and mm. Hannah John Kamen. So that's mm. those are the top three listed. So. Willie, you also are, Donna Logue and uh, yes. Neil McDonough. Yes, they are. They are all over this one. They are. <laughs> Both of them. Willie, you are the uh, Resident Evil expert sure. on this podcast. I have played a few of the games, a handful. I played the remake of one, the remake of two, the remake of three, and uh, I played four, a little bit of five, and I just beat seven. So you have played everything in the series, correct? Pretty much. Uh, there may be a game somewhere in there, some weird oddball side story spinoff thing that I haven't touched. I don't think that's the case, though. I think I've played every game in this series. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. So I, we are, we're we're going to be talking about this a little bit. 
let's do let's get some quick um well I, were you excited for this movie going into it real quick let's get some background going in for you so was this something you were dreading because i know you're a fan of the series and what are your thoughts on the movies so far before this one too yeah yeah so uh, i mean look when when the original movie came out god what year was it 2002 that Resident Evil, it the first right. Paul it Anderson movie came out. I'll check while you're. Yeah, please check. Um, I, I was in high school, right, and uh, I was I had been a, a fan of the series, the the game series for years. Two thousand. Um, yeah, and so I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember spending time in my computer, whatever computer class I had, just surfing the internet for like any any tidbits I could get about the movie because I was like over the moon excited to see the movie, and um. I saw it, and even though it was not um, terribly related to the games in terms of the characters and the plot and stuff, I still enjoyed it. Um, it didn't do anything to mess with the games, I guess, in any major way. When the sequel came out, I actually entered a Detroit Free Press competition, or not competition, like giveaway thing, to get... Uh, tickets to go see it like before it came out and my me and my I won and me and my dad went and saw it like a special preview thing and that's when things turned for me where I went I don't think this is for me anymore okay what yeah. a nice what a nice father son treat though wasn't that cool yeah I, I yeah I, he told me about it and I entered it it was like a little Resident Evil trivia thing I think and did uh he hate it? Did what's that hate, did your dad hate the or the movie I don't know I think he fell asleep um <laughs> He usually fell asleep. Um, oh, that is a nice father-son thing. Oops, I absolutely, you got a good nap in, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was entertained for ninety minutes. Um, no, like I, I used to get like like um, kind of angry at these movies for the for like the second through fourth movie, where it was like like I was mad they existed because they weren't good. They aren't good. Um, past that first movie, I think there's parts of some of them that are okay um, after that first movie. I think the first movie is still generally pretty good, but the, the the sequels are pretty bad. And I think that my anger about them was less about how bad they were as movies and more about how I think I thought that, why are we doing this? Like, the games are pretty great. Why can't we just, like, make the games into movies? Like, what is the problem here? Why are we, like, why are we messing with this? I, I just didn't understand. Um, and as the years have gone on, I've learned to appreciate those later movies. They're hilarious. Um, you get a little more mature. You recognize that uh, just because an adaptation of something you love isn't great or doesn't up to your standards or whatever, doesn't take away from that original thing. You can still go back and enjoy that. Um, you can ignore the existence of something if you really want to. But... Um, now I laugh at them and I have fun with them. But this, when I, when this was announced, I was pretty excited because this felt like, okay, cool. This is going to be, it seems like we're taking it back to those early games. They're actually going to make an attempt at adapting, um, the stuff that I wanted adapted back in 2002. So once again, we're, 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 I mean, we're almost 20 years removed from the first Resident Evil movie. So here we go 20 years later and I might actually get to see something that resembles what I was kind of hyped up and looking forward to back then. My sophomore year of high school. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was looking forward to it, man. I mean, I guess cautiously optimistic. You know, you don't. You know, video game adaptations aren't exactly known for their uh, 
they're high quality. But I also went into it with reasonable expectations too. Um, I went into it recognizing that this is not going to be, I think a lot of people go into every movie now expecting like Disney level, like production budgets. We've been spoiled. I think sometimes by like uh, the quality of some of the, the CG and effects and uh, just everything, I think. Um, and not all movies have that and not all movies need to have that. So I don't know. Uh, I had reasonable expectations going in, but I was excited for it for sure. How about you? You, you were pretty pumped for it, right? Yeah, I was, I was excited for it. I've just recently, I'm a later in life, uh, resident evil yeah. game fan, the movie series. I like that first resident evil movie. And that was kind of my introduction. Yeah. To, I wouldn't say it's my introduction to series Cause I watch friends play the original video games, but uh, that first game, I, I really liked that first movie. Yeah. After that, I can't like, I was while you're talking and about the film series. I was looking and I think the last one I saw was afterlife. That was a 3d one. I don't know any of them past like the third. I don't, I don't know which ones are which. The third one point. is the Mulcahy one with the crows, and I kind of like that. And it's one. in a desert, uh, and uh, yeah, the opening yeah. bit of that movie is pretty sweet, if I remember right. Um, and then yeah, it gets kind of like, dumb. Yeah, there's like a school bus, and Mike Epps is in that one, right? Yes. Okay. Two and Oded Fair. Oded Fair is in that, and yes. Ellie Larder. Oh, Shante, the R&B singer. Shante yes, she gets killed by crows, I think. <laughs> <laughs> not the counting crows no uh, no no of course not just the resident evil cross anyway um so I, I as far as being excited yeah i was i looked a little uh the previews a lot of what you were showing me and what i was watching looked very similar to the resident evil 2 remake that i played the resident evil the original game um mm-hmm. resident evil so i think it looked like it was taking a lot of elements from that and i was kind of excited the mansion looked really good and mm-hmm. i was i like um I like Johan Roberts. He yeah. directed he directed the last Strangers movie, Pray at Night, which I, I like really that movie a lot. Like. Yes, and I think Forty Seven Meters Down is one of the. I think it's a pretty fun modern shark movie, mm-hmm. and I did not see Uncaged though, or maybe I did. Was Uncaged the one with Jamie Foxx's daughter and Sylvester oh, Stallone? Oh boy, daughter? I think so. It is Corinne Fox and Sistine Stallone. Yeah. Uh, or in that so i did not see that one but i i like his work and i thought strangers pray at night was a really stylish yes um really stylish sequel that had a surprising uh, like a show, yes and had a real show-stopping scene um towards the end of it mm-hmm. um that i think is i think is the one of the better scene. the pool scene i think it's one of the yeah. best um kind of sequences in recent years as far mm-hmm. as far I agree. as horror movies go so I was, I was pretty excited for this. And yeah, so let's get your non-spoiler thoughts. So you, what did you think? Because I want to know what you thought about this. And we'll keep this section non-spoilery for anybody that's worried about that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think that it's important to uh, go in with like a, a mature and understanding outlook on how these things work, right? And so... I went into the movie with the expectation of this is going to be a loose adaptation of the first couple games. Um, it's not going to be some sort of like scene for scene, you know, adaptation. You can't, I don't, I don't think that's doable. I think it'd be a very boring movie watching someone wander around halls, quiet halls for, um, for almost two hours, uh, finding keys and maybe trying them on doors. Uh, you know, you can't do that. And so, um, I went in with 
with reasonable expectations, I think. And I wound up walking out think, having a pretty good time with the movie. Um, I don't think it's perfect. I think there are a handful of missed opportunities in the movie for sure. Um, I do think that blending the plots of the first and second games, I think they make it work, but I think they would have been better off just sticking with one or the other. Um, I do think they make it work and they, they make it blend and fit into an entertaining movie. I don't know that it was necessary to do that. Um, I think it, uh, ultimately it kind of, I don't want to say damages the movie, but it definitely makes the movie feel certainly in the third act, a little bit more rushed. It feels like we're rushing to the finish line. And uh, I don't think that that needed to be the case. Um, I think for a lower budget film, I think that the effects work. I like the practical stuff. Uh, I think the CG is, is fine. I think it works. Um, I thought the score was mostly not terribly noticeable, minus a couple tracks that I was actually pretty impressed by. I thought they had a kind of a synthy Carpenter vibe, which is not a bad or a bad thing. Um, and I think it has it mostly stays true to the to the feel and the vibe and the the um, the atmosphere of those first couple remakes of the first two games. And I think for that, it, it, it's, it's, it's impressive or it's maybe if not impressive, it's, it's, I, I appreciate that they capture the tone and the atmosphere of those games. Um, some of the characters feel a little bit wonky. Um, and that's, that is what it is. We'll get into that. But, uh, no, overall, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I would watch a sequel to this. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, I enjoyed it enough. I had a good time. I, I, I was entertained for the couple hours I was in the theater for, and I enjoyed this more than I've enjoyed any of the Resident Evil films since, certainly since that first Anderson movie. Um, and I do think the first Anderson movie might be a better movie, um, which is funny that I say that now, right? Um, but I think this sometimes becomes too obsessed with uh, paying tribute to the games, but not in the ways that necessarily do it any favors. There's a lot of fan service here that doesn't that it's, well, it's fun to see as a fan. It's not necessary for the movie and it feels not pandering. I don't think they go that far, but it feels kind of just like, okay, we get it. All right. Um, Whereas the Anderson movie, at the very least that movie was not, uh, terribly worried about doing any of that. So um, I think that it's it's a it's a fun movie to go watch, go check out. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be in theaters at this point, but um, I think it's worth a watch. I really do. I really do. And it's got a really killer action scene that I enjoyed a lot. So what the did muzzle, you think, the Tim? The flash one, right? Oh, yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> so. I am going, so I think I'm a little bit more mixed. I'm probably leaning mixed positive right now. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, cause I'm uh, kind of lazy. I'll do likes and dislikes here. Yeah. So here's, sure. here's what I liked. I like the, uh, I like the set design. I don't know if it's actual sets, CG sets, whatever. It was a mix. I, Just, it was, I, yeah. 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 
it, it very much seemed like a mix. I think they do a great job of translating those settings from the video game onto the screen as far as the look of it goes. I particularly, I like the mansion a lot and I liked yeah. the, uh, I liked the police station a lot and I like the big statue of the, in the police station a lot too. Yeah. So, yeah. That stuff was really good. It is more like the games than the, um, uh, the original series and particularly that original movie, which is what probably what I'll compare to the most because that's mm-hmm. the one fresher. I mean, that's the one I've seen uh, more yeah. recent. And honestly, it's the one that I like. So I, I think I like, I like that about it. It, I, I text you right after I got out of it. It feels like a, like an expensive fan film. And I mean that as a compliment um, yeah. Yeah. because it does, it, it feels in a little bit like a labor of love in some ways. It feels like someone wrote who, someone who wrote and directed this was was a fan of those original two games at least so i like that it's there's some this is a like too i liked the cheesy kind of dialogue and kind of the clunkiness because i've been on this a little bit recently but like i think we lob criticisms at movies today that we would never like we don't lob at the classics and there's some there's some wacky stuff in the original resident evil games and yeah, there, there are is. some there. So we recently watched they live as well. I'm going to use the, they live an example and there is some dialogue in they live that is insanely on the nose. And I, I think it, maybe we do love criticism of that, but we still regard it as a classic. I think in a lot of ways, I think it's taken on a cult classic status at the very least and even a classic one, but <laughs> like it, there's some there's some weaknesses to the dialogue if you want to go that route i don't think they're weaknesses i think they're fun so mm-hmm. yeah. um this so is not trying to be anything beyond what it is either it's not trying to right yeah i mean uh, yeah there's a there's a midnight movie um feel to this movie like i'd throw this on late at night on a friday night i'd i might fall asleep to it at about one in the morning, but I, I like that about it. And I like the cheesiness of it. Um, it's paced pretty well and it moves fast. There were a couple of points in it where my mind wandered a little bit, but I don't think I was ever, I was never really bored during the movie. I think it moves a little t- bit too fast. Like you said, towards the end, but I liked, I liked the briskness of it and it just, yeah, it kept, it kept barreling forward. It has a very fun cast, Neil McDonald and uh, Donald Logue in particular deserve shout outs um but i like i like the entire cast and i i like um kaiasco delario even though i can't pronounce her last name and never will be able to but i i like her i liked her in crawl quite a bit which is the other one i've seen her in so and and she's decent here i think she's got a little bit of a thankless role in some ways but um but yeah it's it's a fun cast i kind of wish we would have seen them a little bit more together though um, and there, like you mentioned, there are a couple of really nice sequences. I like the uh, the muzzle flash scene that you mentioned, and I, yeah. I like the uh, I, the uh, Donald Logue his character um, Irons. The I, there's a shot the car crash right where there's a shot in from inside the car, um, and I really dug that part. Am I am I misremembering that or am I remembering that? No, that no, happened? no, no. You don't. No. <laughs> okay. You talking about the, the sequence when he's when he's trying to ditch out, trying to get out of there. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a nice moment. Um, so what I disliked about it, I I think it it feels like it it's kind of a movie, and I don't know if this is fair to it or not, but it it kind of feels like it wants to have its cake and eat it too. I'm not sure if the marketing made it clear enough, or maybe it's just my mistake. It kind of feels like it wants to exist to where it could be kind of even a prequel to to some things if if someone wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel, I don't know. I, I just, 
it, it's a, it was a bit confusing for me at times. And even though I know it's a standalone movie, right. um, uh, but to go along with that, and like you said, I wanted it to pick, now that I'm familiar with those first two games a little bit more, I wanted it to pick one of the two games to adapt and stick to it because it mm-hmm. jumps back and forth between one and two. And I think what I wanted, honestly, was for them to adapt part one. And I know it would have yeah. been tough. And I, I think this is a fair criticism of, criticism of the movie itself, too, because it sets up and it makes sure to, it makes sure to um, make known that it, it's very much influenced by Carpenter because it uses that same kind of Carpenter font throughout. And Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, the score is very similar and it sets up a story that is very Carpenter, which is that team of experts kind of going in to take on kind of an unseen or a supernatural force. Mm -hmm. And this, these group of characters coming together and you never really get that. And I think a lot of it is because it's jumping back and forth between between Chris and um, I'm blanking on her name right now, Chris and Claire, Claire yep. Chris and Claire is different. They're different stories. And I think it, I would have liked it a lot better if it would have just stuck with that team of that team of stars, alpha team who is dispatched to kind of investigate things there and to kind of go that route. So I think it would have been a leaner movie in some ways, but I think it would have been better for me. And I do think it feels like it tries to set that up in the beginning and it doesn't deliver on it. Um, the last act, like you mentioned is, is very quick. I thought the big monster battle was a bit rough, uh, the CG mm-hmm. and it was a bit rough. Luckily, Neil McDonough is there to carry. Me <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing too is, the needle drops, the music, the source music that's played throughout the movie. <laughs> Some of it's fun. I was waiting for him to kind of do a show stopping kind of sequence with music like he did in Strangers Pray at Night. He didn't really do that. Yeah. But <laughs> there is a seed. Some of it's funny. So I, I was a Fear Street fan. I guess I shouldn't criticize this, but there's a seed. I think it's the Donald Lowe seed in the... Um, where they're going back and forth and they're talking to Leon and they're just like every piece of dialogue is like, Hey, this is 1998. Don't forget. This is 1998. We're in the nineties now. Cause he just like, he's like, Hey, listen, why don't you listen to your Walkman and stuff yeah. like that. And like yeah. a Palm pilot is out. <laughs> and it was like, it was five straight minutes of the movie. Just kind of like throwing a bunch of 1990s relics and songs at mm-hmm. me. And I'm just like, yes, I got it. I got it. So it's okay. So there you go. It's okay. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, overall an enjoyable time at the movies. I do think it, I think it der- deserves a little bit better fate. I think it will probably be reevaluated at some point down the line because I think, think it does deliver enough for, mm-hmm. um, uh, for what it is and what it's trying to be. So there you go. All right. Are you ready to spoil let's, this bad boy? Let's do it, man. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the character by character thing. Sure. Um, we, we have good luck with that. A lot of times when you have these big ensembles, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a lot though. So sure. 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 I'll let's, try. Yeah. We're going to do the main characters, but I want to start with some of the, uh, I'm going to put this one in a group. So okay. I think some of these are, I think most of these are from the game, but, Let's do unless you want to talk. The movie's, like, the movie's like split in half with, with characters too, because like up until like the last little bit there, like there there's like two separate casts that you're following. Um, right. Yeah. So are there any of the so the main characters I have are uh, Birkin, Irons, Leon, Albert, 
Chris, Jill, and Claire. Now, there uh, are there any? Who else do you want to talk about? Leon? Yes, Leon, okay. I've got on. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's Lisa, Ada, um, Enrico is there. Brad Vickers is there. Uh, there's ben. also Richard. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could talk about some of the very brief ones first. And, I, and, and okay. here's what I'm going to do, Tim. I'm not going to sit here and I, I won't. What I won't do and what I refuse to do is sit here and go, well, Richard's character does this in the game. I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to judge the movie, I guess, on its own merits and not like, well, well, they could have done this because this happens in the game. They should have done this. I don't, like, I, I mean, yes, there are differences and, and things are handled, handled differently. Um, and you're, it's okay to be unhappy that something that you enjoyed from the game doesn't happen in the movie. That's fine. But like to sit here and do that the whole time would be kind of, I just feel like it, what's the point, right? I, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Who do you want to start with, man? I, so, so who do you like from that, from that group of like kind of side characters, do you want to talk about what they did with Lisa Trevor a little bit for, cause she gets, yeah, a little bit yeah. Lisa's Lisa. So Lisa was a character I knew that was going to be in the movie. I think she was in some of the trailers and stuff. I was excited to see her in this. Um, and I think the design is perfect. I think she looks spot on. I mean, straight out of the game. Uh, she's really creepy and she, her moments in the movie take me into like James Wan territory with some of his like really modern, uh, horror aesthetic that he he applies to the stuff that even he just produces, right? Um, I think Lisa rules. My only issue here, uh, beyond her silly CG fight with a liquor, which was still badass, but like kind of not great looking. Um, my only issue here is her character just kind of disappears. Um, and they certainly make her more sympathetic in the film than in the games. In the games, you're just kind of being chased around by her as kind of a, a boss-type enemy or an unkillable enemy, which works for the games and for gameplay. And you find sympathy for her through kind of like the notes you find and stuff in the game. Um, in this, you're actually kind of told like what she is, that she was this orphan that they experimented on and that she has kind of a connection with Claire for whatever reason. I just wish that there had been a moment in the finale for her as maybe cliche as it seems to have like sacrificed herself to hold off Birkin or something to let Claire get a chance to get away. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, they didn't feel like there was that moment for her to, she saves them from the liquor, which is fine. Um, I just expected her to pop back up at some point to do something more before we, uh, left the character and it doesn't really happen. That felt a little bit like a missed opportunity to me. I think that the performance is strong and the presentation is very strong. I guess I just wanted a little bit more out of her. Um, maybe in that third act. So you mentioned Richard. What about Richard real quick? Richard. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, right. Richard is, uh, you know, he switched up a bit in this. He's an, he's an on alpha team in this movie, which is fine. He, he kind of goes with the guys to the mansion and stuff. Um, he definitely feels like the cannon fodder member of that group, right? Like, I mean, between him and Brad Vickers, the helicopter pilot, those are the two guys where you don't really get a lot of development of any sort from them or any sort of like understanding of how they are. But you need you need to kill one or two of your characters, right? When you when you send your professionals into a uh, a hostile environment, one or two of them got to go out to to make the stakes known and stuff. 
And so, uh, you know, I mean, there's not much to him in this movie, but he certainly looks the part. And uh, we had to have at least one zombie death, right? And he gets Mal- uh, chowed down on pretty good in the mansion. So um, I thought that whole sequence with him and Chris splitting off and investigating um, the mansion on their own, I thought I, I really worked for me. Uh, with zombies pouring out of the the mansion halls and stuff, and 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 uh, the dark lighting and the moody atmosphere and stuff, I I dug all that. So yeah, Richard doesn't do much, but I thought he was fine for what he was in. You mentioned him a little, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw um, just a trio of names at you: Ben yes. Bertolucci, who's the conspiracy. Ben conspiracy Bertolucci, theory. oh my god! Yes, uh, Brad Vickers, um, Kevin Dooley, and Enrico Mariani. En- so Enrico Mariani, yeah, 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 that's kind of our. So any thoughts on this group? Any, anybody in particular you want to talk about? I know you you seem to react to Ben Bertolucci. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot about him. Um, Enrico and Enrico Marini and Kevin Dooley are characters from the first game. Uh, they, they, they're not the same characters in this movie, and that's fine. But they, I think they just – their name, them being named Enrico and Kevin Dooley is basically almost just kind of like an Easter egg for fans. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, there's no – you know, there, there's no tie to, to, to those characters from the games. And that's fine. I think it's a fun nod. Um, Brad, I was hoping Brad would get a few more little things to do, right? Um, that's a, one of the, uh, the actor who plays Brad is one of the leads from Letterkenny, which is a very popular sh- uh, Canadian show. And uh, I have not He's in Goon. It. He's in the Goon sequel. I yes, love Yes, he is. Goon. Yes. Yeah. He's a very funny actor, and I was hoping they would do more with that actor. Um he gets a line or two here and he's fine. Uh, he gets the moment where he gets to listen to um, uh, what's up by four non blondes before being eaten by a zombie. So that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, I wish he had a little bit more to do purely because I like the actor. Um, it's fine. What happens here to him, I guess. Um, like I said, you need a little bit of cannon fodder here. Um, ben Bertolucci. Ben Bertolucci uh, is, uh, serves largely the same purpose uh, as he does in the games. He's kind of the, the guy who's uncovering the, the deep dark, uh, secrets of umbrella um he kind of they picked the right actor to play like a weird conspiracy nut right like you look at him and you're like oh yeah that guy that's the guy um i he's did in think, a mo- oh ahead. sorry he's in a movie called anything for jackson that came out last year i just uh-huh. want to mention for anybody he, he's uh, that's a very it's a very very good movie uh, okay, cool. i think it's a it's a it's a shutter kind of exclusive but it's really really good so okay, i just wanted cool. to mention that because i had seen him in something before so yeah he's got a unique look about him for sure um i i, I had no issues with ben in this i think he serves largely the same purpose he still dies in a jail cell um i thought his death was kind of lame if i'm being honest um this guy seems relatively intelligent and able to take care of himself, despite the fact that he seems a little bit like uh, nerdy and conspiracy theorist. Like he seems like he can handle himself. He disarms Leon uh, pretty easily. Now, mind you, Leon is Leon in this movie, but um, uh, the fact that he's like sitting there and not just shooting the guy who's clearly turning into a zombie in the same jail cell as him, uh, that he hesitates enough for the guy to like go full zombie and, and bite him is pretty silly. I thought, but, um, he's fine. He, he works in the movie, I suppose. All right. So one last small one, and then move on to the big ones. Yeah. Ada Wong. I texted you. Yeah. I was like, Ada Wong is in this movie, and yeah, yeah I she's in the post credits. So. She's in the post credits. My understanding is she had more in the movie that was cut. Um, 
don't know what it is, but uh, it sounds like there's a lot of this movie that was cut. By the way, I, I keep it hearing feels all these, like it at times too. Yeah, I keep hearing there's a bunch of stuff on the cutting room floor. Um, am I asking for a director's cut or an extended cut? Sure, why not? I'll, I'll, I'd watch it. Sure, yeah, if it yeah. exists, put it in there. If the, yeah, yeah, I'm, if the, I'm, yeah, I'm down. Um, I don't know. I I don't get anything from her because I mean, like, she's literally in the post credits. I mean, she looks like Ada. So there's that, uh, she's nefarious and, and untrustworthy like she is in the games. Um, and she is in some way responsible for Wesker's resurrection and the post credit sequence where he gets his sunglasses. That whole scene was pretty goofy to me. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I thought the whole post credit sequence was kind of, stu- kind of stupid. Um, I'm cool with seeing Wesker get his shades, right? Cause you know, we're, we're one step closer to president Wesker, but, uh, um, I don't know. It was, uh, she's fine. I guess I would, I would be interested in seeing more of her and her role and how it, and, and more of Wesker and his turn towards villainy, a uh, true villainy, um, in a sequel. Um, I think they could do some stuff with that. Uh, you know, so I, I you know, I guess in that respect, I was the, the post credit scene did its job because I was like, okay, cool. We could follow them in a sequel. I was uh, happy to see Ada because I thought Ada was cool in the video games. Yeah. And uh, I was happy to see her because I had never seen Retribution. And apparently Ada is a character in that. Ada Wong is a character in that. And I had not seen that. Apparently Leon and Barry Burton are in that movie too. So this is the first time. This was the first time at the end. And then I forgot about her apparently. So. Yeah. 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 I saw saw that movie. Retribution. (laughs) Retribution. I saw it. Good. (laughs) Um, I got no more to say. Let's go to the big. Let's go to the ones that get some screen time. Yes, here. the heavy hitters. Little, yep. The heavy hitters. Let's start. Let's start. Uh, let's start with uh, Hannah. John came in as ah. Jill Valentine. What did you think of this version of Jill Valentine? Well, you know, it's a different interpretation, I guess. In terms of, uh, she almost seems like a bit of a loose cannon, a little bit. Uh, well, no, she, she is totally a loose cannon. Um, little reckless, a little wild, a little dangerous. Um, I had no problem with any of that. I thought that was kind of cool. Jill in the games, especially in the most recent game that she's in, which is that Resident Evil 3 remake, Jill's a badass. Um, And she's very much like a Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, Ripley aliens type character where she feels like a strong female character. I think you've, you felt the same way after that, playing that Resident Evil 3 remake, right? Like Jill's characterization, I think was really strong in that, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, I thought it worked for me here for the most part. Um, I feel like she gets certainly, and this might go back to the stuff on the cutting room floor, she certainly gets kind of forgotten about in the third act of this movie. Um, she does like literally almost nothing. Um, and that's too, that's a shame because I like Hannah John Kamen a lot. I like the performance a lot. I like the characterization a lot. I actually am A-OK and interested in her relationship with Wesker. She seems like she is into him, but it's never played over the top. It's never played like as full on romantic, which is nice. She has some sort of infatuation or attraction to him. And that's fine. People who work together and who are in dangerous situations together, probably form attractions to each other. And I have no issue with that whatsoever. And I was fine with the pseudo love triangle between her and Wesker and Chris, which wasn't even a love triangle. It's hard to even call it that. Um, but I was fine with all of that. I thought it worked and I thought it added depth to those relationships that you maybe don't get in the games um, until later on. 
so yeah, I thought Hannah Joy came in is really cool. I like Jill. Uh, once again, with a sequel, I'd like to see her more. I'd like to see her do more. I feel a little disappointed if she wasn't able to be more active in the movie from an action perspective. She isn't able to do too much in this movie. She saves Chris's ass, which I guess is pretty cool. But other than that, she kind of just doesn't do much. So that's a bit of a disappointment. But no, I, I, I like the character for sure. How about you? How, how did you feel about Jill in this? Um, she seemed a little bit, she was different from what I know of her in the game. I liked the actress's performance. I just, uh, she will be playing Red Sonia in the Red Sonia remake. And John came in. They've, they've said that oh. movie's happening so many times. It's so funny. <laughs> this, hasn't, is Red Sonia the one that, um, what's his face from X-Men was attached, attached to for a long time. Brian Singer. Wasn't yeah. he going to do this Robert way Rodriguez back in the was day? attached for a while too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this has been kicked around since like the first X-Men, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, no, she was good. If he, a lot of these characters feel a little bit two dimensional at times, which is fine yeah. for sure. the movie they're in. So it didn't bother me, but it does. They do also feel like younger versions of, and I think that's by design of the characters we would come to know later on. So they're like proto versions of the characters that we yes. come to know that we will get to know it feels like it feels like it's setting these characters up for a franchise that's probably never going to come but um it, it makes sense in that way so i like jill she yeah she's kind of a badass here but yeah for sure yeah all right so let's go to let's go to the heavy hitters now actually let's go to okay. uh let's start with uh let's start with donald logue as brian oh my, what a heavy hitter chief of police. <laughs> what mr donald logue do you have a favorite donald logue performance did you know he went to harvard no so this- i did not that's amazing uh <laughs> do i have a favorite donald logue performance all of them i love donald logue <laughs> donald logue is one of those guys he he is a man who's not afraid to take any role and i mean that as a compliment um, he just seems like he enjoys acting and, and yeah, he probably enjoys getting paid for acting too, but like he enjoys acting and he enjoys doing, like he enjoys working. Um, I like Donald Logue, man. I, everything he's in, I, I never disliked Donald Logue in anything. I will say, you know what? My favorite performance from Donald Logue is a movie called, um, the groomsman. Um, ah, yes. Directed by Ed Burns. The actor, fan, mostly yeah. known. Yeah. Big fan of that film. Huge fan of, um, Huge fan of Logue's performance in that movie. I think he's very good. Very funny and very sad. And, and he works very well. Anyway, but in this movie, he plays the creepy, uh, yes. corrupt police chief, Brian Irons. They dial Brian Irons down. Certainly, he's less of a cartoon or a comic book character in the movie than he is in the uh, games. He's kind of creepy and like taxidermies people in the games. It's a bit much for a movie, I think, in terms of like believability. Um so I believe he could be the police chief in this movie, right? Whereas in the games, I'm like, how did this guy ever get in a position of power with like how, like how obviously wacko he is? Although I don't know, I don't know. There are people in positions of power. That I... <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, you never mind. I, let me dial that back. Um, no, and also uh, that comes along with having a lot of power, right? Is right, a psycho, right? Yeah. Now Donald looks a ton of fun in this. I think he has a lot of good little like funny bits. He's able to bring some levity to the stuff that's going on around him. He seems like he's an ass and he's incompetent. And nobody really respects him. And I love that. And it works so well. I love this. I, it's funny because like a sequence that probably could have been cut from the movie was his entire like little journey to escape the city that fails miserably. And he goes right back to where he started. You probably could have cut that. Like none of it was necessary to the 
forwarded, forwarding the momentum of this movie or the plot of this movie, but it's also fun. Like all the bit with journey when he's playing journey in the car and stuff, it's so fun that I, I dug it and I liked Donald Logue quite a bit. And, uh, it was fun to watch him get taken out by the liquor, you know? <laughs> for sure uh my favorite donald Logue performance he was in a show well blade obviously but he was actually he's really good in jerry Maguire too as that just popped my head but um there was a show on fx back in the day called terriers and yeah. terriers okay. was kind of and i it was only last for lasted for one season and it fell in that weird time for tv um where it's kind of transitioning over a little bit more into what it would become now it's pre-streaming um, but it, it only got one season and it was kind of a little scene, but Terriers so Tim Minear, um, was the Tim Minear and Sean Ryan. Tim Minear was on a uh, angel and firefly for a while. So, okay. uh, loved that show it was an FX show, um, uh, kind of like a crime comedy. So yes, uh, Neil McDonough, let's do Neil McDonough as William Birkin, one of the, uh, umbrella man uh, experimenters what do you think neil, do you have a favorite neil mcdonough performance apply everything them? i just said about donald Logue to neil mcdonough and that's more or less he's just another one of those guys man anytime mcdonough pops up in something i'm in like i love neil yeah. mcdonough i think he's uh, i think he's another guy who just likes acting and likes taking roles and it's not afraid to take corny ridiculous shit and not afraid and and and, and but will also do uh pretty solid serious uh work so i i like neil mcdonough man do i have a favorite mcdonough performance man i don't know um that's tough i don't know that i do have a favorite neil mcdonough performance i'd have to think on that but uh in this movie i think he's a ton of fun um i think he he doesn't have a doesn't have a ton of screen time but i think he he legitimately makes the most of what he has i think you do feel a sense of <sighs> they don't do maybe enough to balance the sympathetic nature of Birkin and the family man nature of Birkin, which they, they try to play up a little bit more Uh, in the games. He just seems like he's obsessed with his work and he's kind of just an awful piece of crap who happens to have a wife and a kid, right? Like he accidentally wound up with a family, but he's really just an awful selfish in this interpretation he seems like he cares about his family right he seems like he's a he genuinely like it like is a dad like and 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 is active in his kid's life and his wife's life and stuff but then you also go well technically like he's abducting children from an orphanage and like doing horrible things to them so he is an awful piece of shit and they don't find to strike a great balance with that you know what i'm saying like there's no Part know. of it, though, too, is because the the for me at least the memorable stuff with his character is when he really lays it on thick. Oh yeah, and I think I don't I don't think part of that balance is there is for me at least because he's so much more fun when he just becomes becomes villain towards the end. Agreed. It yeah. almost makes me wish they had just stuck with full villain, right? Um, <laughs> but no, McDonald's a ton of fun. Birkin is a character that this works for me. I mean, Birkin's Birkin as a human character is in that second game for like seconds. I mean, there's no, he technically gets more development in this than he does in the games as a human character. Um, no, he works for me. And I think, um, I think the transformation, like you said, the CG is wonky. Um, certainly, but I think they do an okay job of what they have on hand, I guess. Um, it works for me enough. So, yeah, fair enough. Fair. That's a good point too, because that is yeah, that is part of the fun. Of I think the half transformed Birkin works for me when he's like partially McDonough still. 
when yes. he becomes a full CG monster, it's partial. a little bit less, you know. Sometimes viable. partial McDonough is all you can handle. That's um, all you can handle, baby. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's talk about Leon a little bit. Leon is one of the, <laughs> uh, he's one of the major characters from the series, right? I mean, yeah, from the video yeah. game series. Some he wasn't people call he, him the face of the franchise, right? I mean, it, that's okay. And some people would him or Chris certainly. So, and he was not a uh, he did not show up in the uh, uh, the widescreen Paul widescreen movies until Retribution, which was like the sixth movie. So, what did you think of Avon? Is it Avon? I think it's Yogia? Avon Yogia. Avon Yogia, way off. I believe. For me, I think as Leon. So he's a rookie in this one. Hey Rook. They they make sure to point that out. He's like, hey Rook. They do. <laughs> the yeah. Time. It's kind um, of like um. The, a lot of everybody's like everybody turns into Farva from Super Troopers. I know. When I they're know. around, Leon. I love it. <laughs> um. Yeah, Leon. You uh, you know, he's a rookie in the games too, right? Um, and so it's his first day on the, on the police force in Resident Evil 2. The fact that the guy survives the night is kind of incredible. Um, the difference here is that Leon is played... They play up the rookie buffoonish kind of just barely scraping by aspect of him almost to cartoony levels at times. I don't love that all the time. Um... I like him being kind of the fish out of water and not, and the one who has it the least together out of our four leads. Um, okay. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with him bumbling a little bit and kind of like fake it till you make it a little bit. He is almost like, I, and, and they make a, they make a little bit about like, Oh, your dad is a higher up police chief or something. And, that's how you got this job. You shot your partner in the ass, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but like at no point do I believe that even his dad could pull the strings to get this guy in the police force. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's so bumbling and so dumb that like, I kind of go, I know. Can I, can I tell you something real quick about yeah. Leon? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's uh, much like my wife, the heaviest sleeper I've ever seen in my life. Amazing. This guy, this guy, <laughs> I remember headphones back in the day and they yeah. could be as noise canceling as they want, but they were never this noise canceling. He's asleep um, at the front desk of the raccoon, raccoon city police yes. department desk. He's got his hands up or his feet up on the, on the table there in a giant tanker, right? It's a tanker. It's man, yeah. Like explodes. A truck explodes right outside the door is open um he doesn't even wake up from the brightness either so it just explodes and he stays asleep yeah. the entire time and only donald logue could come down and wake only donald logue shooting a flaming man that's walking through the door <laughs> yeah no it's it's pretty silly that was that it, needle very... drop i texted you about the when they played crush uh as the flaming oh, guy that's walks right. through the door that's it's right, so yes. weird um <laughs> he yeah has a, uh, johan um Johan has a very uh, specific musical taste and it he seems does. to be mostly like kind of like female pop songs pop, or female. Yeah. yeah. Or female kind of um, kind of like Bonnie Tyler esque ballads. Yeah. Ballad. Yes, for I sure. Dig that. Um, yes. No, I mean, and I have no issue with uh, Avon's performance as Leon. I think it, it works perfectly fine. I just think the character is written a little bit too goofy for me. I do think he's able to redeem it at the end, and I and one of my, my probably my favorite line in the movie is when uh, the the leads from the two kind of separate stories bump into each other, and Chris sees Leon, and he goes rookie or rook, and he goes 
yeah, no one's more surprised than me, pal, like, that he survived. It's so funny. Like, I loved that line so much. And he gets to kill Birkin with a rocket launcher at the end, which is wonderful. What a moment. That is a, that was a, even someone with a kind of a passing knowledge in some ways of the Resident Evil. I liked when the rocket launcher showed It was up. so fun. Big like, fan okay. of that. And then he just goes, I found it in first class because that's the way the games work, where it's like, this is a rocket launcher laying around. Like, yeah. So that was fun. No, overall, I think the interpretation's a little off for sure. Um, He's a little too goofy, but I had fun with the character, so I almost didn't mind it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. I needed that levity and that goofiness of Leon. The the charm and the dipshittedness almost kind of worked for me, even if it's not terribly believable or likable all the time. So, Let's talk about someone who may not be likable all the time, mm. Albert Wesker. Albert uh, played Wesker. By- Tom Hopper from Game of Thrones. Umbrella um, Academy, I think, is the big. Umbrella Academy, uh, Merlin. Yeah. In, uh, Black in, uh, Sails. Hitman's, Hitman's Wife Body. I'm just reading off his Wikipedia. Oh, Terminator Dark Fate. He was in that. There you All go. right. All right. What did you think of his interpretation of one Mr. Albert Wesker, the uh, the double agent himself? Sure. Well, he's not Wesker from the games, right? I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, right. you know, he's not wearing the shades. He doesn't have the, like, talk like this, like very monotone voice. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Wesker is for those who have it, maybe are not familiar with Wesker from the game. I, Wesker is sweet as hell. Oh, he he's, he's the, like, he's the coolest person you could ever come up with. He he's rocks. got like slick back hair and sunglasses at night. And he talks without any sort of emotion. He's amazing. Here's the problem with adapting that into a movie, right? Is, um, not for for zero seconds will you believe that he's not going to be a bad guy. Um, and I say this because in the game, the second you meet him, which is moments of the game, you go, "Oh, he's he's a bad guy," because he's wearing sunglasses at night, <laughs> and he talks like a robot, and he's yeah. cold and like he's like, yes, he's a. So, I have no issue with them doing what they did in this movie. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't. Uh, I think they tried to bring a little bit more humanity to the character and make him a little bit more believable. Believable. Um, I never bought in the games that Wesker as a team leader for Alpha Team was a character that any of these people would be bonding with or looking up to as a leader. Would they follow his orders? Yeah, probably because they were worried he was going to like fire them um, if yeah. they didn't. But it was did never like I never bought that they respected this guy in any great way or that he had any sort of camaraderie with this team before he betrays them. In this movie... I do. Um, you know, uh, it's largely the same idea. He's, he's, you know, screwing over the team for money and, and, and whatnot. Certainly there's differences between this and the game version, but um, he's a little bit less knowledgeable about what's going on around him uh, in this interpretation. He's not in the know with all of Umbrella's secrets. He's kind of been told certain things enough to get by to get whatever this shady group that Ada's part of wants like he knows just enough to 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 do his job right to do his mission as a double agent um i think hopper works in the role i i believe him as the team leader i believe him as kind of the guy who's like uh in charge of this group um i like the relationship between him and jill i think it works better when the inevitable trail happens i think i i have more of an emotional connection to that when the when the um, the reveal comes, I wish he had a little bit more time with Chris on screen. 
I wish there was a little bit more of a camaraderie or like a, a, a feeling of friendship or at least partnership between the two of them in the movie. You don't really get much of them. Um, I wish there was a bit more of that so that there was more of a sting for Chris when it happened beyond just obvious, the obvious, like, Oh, he betrayed us. Um, but it works for me, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, I think it would actually, if they were to have, have, have been able to get sequels, which I guess who knows, maybe I doubt it. Um, I think it would have been more interesting bringing him back as more of that villainous Wesker this way because you would have more of that emotional connection to the uh, the good guys, right? So it worked mm-hmm. for me. I was fine with it. I had no issue. I mean, I miss right, I Wesker, c- Tim, but... <laughs> well, I mean, it, there are term limits, so I mean... That's true. Well, I don't think President Wesker would abide by term limits, actually. No, he wouldn't. About it. He would call some sort of um, what a state of emergency and just declare himself all-time president. He'd release some sort of super virus for no reason and just <laughs> yeah, because that's what President Wesker does. Um, so let I called this a gentleman and I uh, apologize. Uh, I called him. I think I called him the brother of Stephen Amell. He's actually the cousin of Stephen Amell. What they're not this brothers? This, they're not. They're cousins. Oh my god! I had <laughs> no idea. Their first cousins, they look exactly alike. I thought they They're were just brothers. One. Okay, well. Right. Now, uh, Robbie Amell is the first cousin of uh, Stephen Amell, but both Canadians, both fine uh, fine Canuck chips. Mm. Was this a Canadian production? It must have been. I did it was not... shot in Canada, yes. Um, Nikki and I have a tr- have a uh, kind of a trip in the early planning stages to go see the Spencer Mansion, so we're pretty excited about that. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Where was it? Uh, the Spencer Mansion, the, a lot of the interiors were filmed in Hamilton, Ontario. Ah, okay. Um, which is not too bad of a drive from where we're at. So, gotcha. Yeah, we gotcha. got to check it out. Very nice. Okay, so he played Chris Redfield. Yes. So we'll start with the the male Redfield here. And what did you think of this this interpretation of one Mister Chris Redfield? Um, I like Chris in this movie. Uh, he's certainly a little bit on the bland side. Very, very, very. Um, definitely has that. Like he is the action hero, good guy vibe but that's kind of chris in the games and the storyline i know him from anyway so it didn't bug me at all uh chris is kind of a boring character until the later games chris is kind of captain america in a lot of ways um where he is like he does what's right no matter what right and he is the the stalwart that he is the good guy through and through and i think amel captures that what i did like about chris in this and what I did like about the orphanage subplot and stuff in this movie is that there is a little bit of a have haves and have nots commentary in the, um, in the film that you can read into if you want. Um, yes, this is a silly sci-fi action movie, low budget romp, but there's more, there's a little bit more going on here. I think that you could read into if you want to, there is a pretty amazing parallel between raccoon city as it's depicted in this film and flint michigan as it's depicted in real life um in both situations we have a major company and or companies that were the sole um reason for a booming local economy in the major city and then they up and split from the major city and left it to fall apart and then uh, 
uh, corrupt politicians uh, knowingly allowed their water to be poisoned. So there's actually a pretty good parallel between Raccoon City in this movie and Flint, Michigan. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, oh, I like I like that reading. Yeah, I, do. I think that's kind of on purpose. Um, right. And I think Chris's haves and have not that him tying into that haves and haves not have nots plotline with the orphanage and what's happening to the people of Raccoon because of Umbrella. I, I kind of dig that arc that he gets in this and not every character gets an arc in this movie. Um, and that's fine. It is what it is. Um, I'd love for them all to have arcs, but I, I'm glad Chris for sure gets one. And it's, um, it's just kind of being blinded by what he's been given by Birkin and the umbrella corporation, the opportunities he's been given blinded to what, it has costed other people what those people, you know, and I love at the end of his, his, when he's able to reject Birkin as this father figure or whatever he was for him growing up. And he like, just, he like blasts him in the face with a shotgun. It's the best. Um, it kind of ruled for me. And it gives you, it gives you a hint at that, that Chris, uh, that is defiant of authority. And that Chris who becomes more interesting as the games go on. And as the story goes on, a Chris, that's not afraid that learns from the fact that authority oftentimes becomes the enemy and becomes bad. Um, and that's the reason why I like Captain America as a character so much too, is that I think that that Captain America as a character is always the most interesting when he is defying an authority, right? He's always mm-hmm. as most interesting when he, when he is doing what's right, despite the fact that the people in charge are saying it's wrong. So I, I dug that, that arc for Chris and I like Chris in this and he has the best action sequence in the movie. Um, I like the mansion stuff in this movie the best. I think you said the same thing. That's the most interesting part of this movie to me. It's the most fully realized. And I wish we had spent more time in the mansion um, or all of our time in the mansion even. Um, uh, Chris's sequence by himself in the mansion, everything from the point where Richard gets... Actually, everything from the point where the zombie turns its head around to the camera to Chris's muzzle flash fight scene is really cool. I liked all that stuff. And I thought, I legitimately thought that scene um, was Johan Roberts kind of like his strangers pray at night pool scene for this movie where it was like, wow, you did something really, really cool with, uh, with a limited budget and with, uh, I I thought he just did something very unique with that muzzle flash action scene. I hadn't seen anything like that in a long time and I thought it was really neat. So yeah. All right. Our final one here. The sister, the younger sister of Chris yes. Redfield, one Miss Claire Redfield, the lockpick extraordinaire. Yeah, Claire yeah. Redfield. Yes. Um, what did you think of Claire in this movie? And she is, um, not to put it all on her, more the screenwriters, but she's the reason why we kept cutting away from the stuff I think you and I enjoyed more. Which is <laughs> stuff like so what's, what's her deal? What's going on with her? Why do we keep doing this? Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. I mean, I, I I wish that Leon and Claire had their own movie, and I wish Jill and Chris had their own movie, right? I mean, I think that you and I both agree with that. Right. I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, I've seen interviews that have stated that the reason basically why I think Capcom or, or Capcom and Sony, the, the, or Screen Gems or whatever the film company is that, that produces these, asked for... Um, I believe they asked for a Resident Evil 1 movie, the mansion and stuff. And but but they also told 
Johan Roberts, like you can kind of do what you want with it. And so he wanted to jam as much in as possible. So that's why he combined the two games. It's because really? this might okay. be my one chance to like do a Resident Evil movie. So I'm going to stick a bunch of stuff I like in it. Um, <laughs> that was not a great I mean, choice. I, I appreciate that on a, on a fan level, kind of like on a yes. YOLO level. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, it, like, oh, this is going to be my only shot to do this. But it this. also wanna... didn't necessarily benefit the overall experience, I think. I, I don't think. It, also, it also bums me out that I have to side with the studio on one of these things. I believe yeah. that was the case. <laughs> it could have been the reverse where they wanted a Resident Evil 2 movie and he threw the mansion stuff in there. I don't recall. They wanted a movie. F- uh, they pitched him. They asked for a movie based on one of those two things. And he said, well, can I do more stuff? And they were like, yeah, okay. sure. So, um... Anyway, I like Claire in this movie. Um, it uh, her half of the movie, if you want to call it that, is is the less interesting half to me. I like the mansion stuff more, um, but I think Claire is maybe the most well rounded of our lead characters. Um, Leon's treated as a punchline a lot of the time. He does get the arc where he gets to be the big badass at the end and shoot the rocket launcher. Chris, I just mentioned kind of his arc. Uh, Jill and, and Wesker, I guess, get somewhat of an arc with their kind of relationship and how it unfolds. Um, but Claire actually gets like some closure and stuff about why she came back to raccoon in the first place and her trauma as a child and the things she went through. So that's pretty cool. I would have liked, I think, uh, Kaya Scolario's performance is really strong. I think she's maybe the strongest performance out of anybody in the movie. I think she's bringing it the most perhaps of anyone here minus of course, the great Neil McDonough. Um, but, uh, and I think Claire feels like Claire from the games. It feels genuine and it feels maybe the most like the games out of any of these characters, besides maybe Chris, um, the Redfield siblings definitely are treated very well in this movie. Um, I just wish she had a little bit more of a moment with Lisa at some point later in the movie. I just didn't, I wanted that. I wanted that moment to close the chapter on that part of her, her childhood trauma. And I, and she never really gets it. I don't feel like, or if she does get it, it's so early on in her journey in the movie that it doesn't feel like a cl- closure to me i guess does that make sense yes for sure so um overall i like claire quite a bit even if her half of the movie is the, the the half i'm less into i guess yeah i really like her as an actress i've yeah. only seen her a couple things now but i think she's and i think she's really good in movies like these this and crawl i do want to yeah. mention though uh she's got a movie coming out uh <laughs> that uh, i found because i just clicked on this so it is called The King's Daughter. It's coming out next year. Okay. And it stars Pierce Brosnan as King Louis the Fourteenth. Amazing. And it's about <laughs> – she plays, uh, I believe, his daughter. Um, but it's about uh, – Oh, excuse me. Here's the synopsis. King Louis XIV, played by Brosnan, it's about his quest for immortality, which leads him to capture and steal a mermaid's life force, a move that is further complicated by his illegitimate daughter's discovery of the creature. My goodness. (laughs) So this stars uh, Pierce Brosnan, um, also William Hurt, and uh, Fan Bingbing. no, I got who her. played she Ada, in, by the way, in uh, Resident okay, Evil. Okay, that's, yeah. that's what I was going to say. But uh-huh. then, um, okay, I couldn't remember if it was her, uh, but she was also in uh, Days of Future Past as well. So, gotcha. There we go. So there we go. Mark that one down on the calendar. The King's Daughter. But yeah, I liked her. I liked her quite a bit. I liked her performance too. I just I mentioned earlier. I thought it was kind of a thankless role in some ways because it was the stuff that I just was like, yeah, I come on, let's get back to the stuff I like. So right. It's all right. So Willie, as far as the characters go, anything else to say on any of them? Cause I got a couple questions. For no, you. I think that, I think, I think that's it, man. Yeah. I think I'm pretty well, pretty well. Good. Yeah. 
So did you have a favorite Easter egg? Because there are a lot of Easter eggs oh, for man. the fans in this. Did you have a favorite or maybe a, just a couple or a few you wanted to highlight or talk about that you got, that you liked? No, man. For me, you know what it was? It wasn't. I wouldn't even call it an Easter egg per se. I would just call it my favorite. I don't even know what to call it. The, the set design. That, that, that For me, that was it. Seeing, you know, regardless of whether or not the plots differ from the games and the characters differ a bit from the games and the narrative and all that stuff. Um, for me, seeing the mansion as the recognizable mansion that I know from Resident Evil, seeing the police station lobby as the recognizable police station lobby that I know from the game, that was so thrilling to me. And uh, that's the kind of fan service that I enjoyed the most. I mean, there's fun little things that there's a green herb in the background in one spot. And um, there's a typewriter, I think, at one point. There's too. a typewriter in the Which, background at one spot. Yeah. Gave me horrible flashbacks. Um, Wesker on the piano. Wesker, um, Moonlight Sonata. Yep. That was really cool. Yes. Um, you know, um, Jill Sandwich. Jill the, Sandwich. I thought that worked. That was fun. Um, <laughs> it was stupid, but it was fun. Um, yeah. yeah, there was cool stuff like that. Um, minor, either Mr. X has a reference in the movie that was cut, which is unfortunate. Um, but I, what was it? Uh, you can see, uh, I guess, like his like uh, his like body, like in a test tube thing in Birkin's lab at one point, but they cut it from the movie. So um, that's too bad. I'm like, oh man, I want a little Mr. X action. Um, but yeah, so no, there's a lot of fun little things to, to dig into in the, in the, um, in the, uh, the movie. I, you know, stuff like, even stuff down to like Wesker's gun is Wesker's gun. Like that, that's, that's his Samurai Edge handgun from, from the games, like spot on. Uh, and I love little details like that. That's the kind of fan service that I like where they're not beating you over the head with it. And there's plenty of that in this movie too. But, uh, I like the little stuff where it's, it's not even fan service. It's just, it's just attention to detail. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, that gun doesn't change anything about the movie one way or another. He could be holding any, any, any handgun, but the fact that he's got the gun from the games is just an extra little layer to go. Oh, sweet. Like that's the, they, they care about this. So I like that stuff. So this movie is not doing super great. So no. let, me, let me find what's going on here. No. So, cause I want to ask you, so it, I don't, there haven't been any numbers. So these movies usually do pretty well internationally. Yes. Um, so I don't know that this has been released internationally. It has, yet. I, I think it has in some places, but where it's, most likely where these movies do the best is China. And I haven't, I was on there cause I was looking at this earlier today and I've, I've been looking at so, stuff like this a lot more, but like uh, China where is where a lot of these, so the final chapter, so domestically it's not that far off from the final chapter, which was the last one in the series. So box office wide, that one only made about 26 million domestic, but where it made bank was 287 million international. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that, yeah, I just clicked on it here. This is from the numbers.com, but the majority of that is in uh, China. I think it made over 150 million in China, okay. $161 million in China. Now, I think uh, you and I talked a little bit about this in our, our, our pre, uh, our preparing for this, but like the Mila Jovic is a pretty big international star. She is, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so so that was missing from this one but this is at about right now yeah i think it's only at about 14 million it's about about 25 million total um but like we mentioned it doesn't have the international is still uh, probably what they would be holding out for here Mm -hmm. because the production budget is 25 million but that stuff is kind of 
wonky to go by too because that doesn't take into account marketing and all right. that kind of stuff. So, so my question then, I guess, for you is uh, not so much because why do you think this movie, the box office for it, has been a little bit soft? Do you think Resident Evil is kind of out of the public consciousness a little bit, or do you think it's just a combination of factors? What do you think? It's a combination. It's uh, releasing it around right before Thanksgiving wasn't a great call. I don't think for the kind of this is an eight, this. I mean, this is an October movie, right? Yeah. Why they didn't yeah. do that, I don't know. Um, I think we we were still dealing with still dealing with the pandemic, and word of, of course, yeah, that movie, should be mentioned. Yeah. Yep. And word of mouth on this movie hasn't been fantastic by any means. Um, and uh, I'm. I'm just going to come out and say it like the, from what I've seen on like Reddit and, 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 and social media and stuff, the Resident Evil fan base is kind of toxic. Like, they're like not terribly. Um, I think that could be said for, I, I guess I don't them. know. Yes. Yeah. A lot of fan sure. bases. A lot of Reddit fan bases. Yes. The yeah. man, it's like, it's good. Great. I, I mean, I'm a fan, but I, man, some of the stuff I see, I'm just like, guys, good. Uh, I don't know. So th- that doesn't help. I don't think. Um, yeah, it's just, and I don't think the, the 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 promotion that the the only trailer that we technically got released in the U.S. as a U.S. trailer was that four non blondes trailer, and it was not very good. That was um, you're right, you're right. And yeah, that some help. You and I liked the um, international trailer. We, we liked the international trailer, and then we liked the featurettes that they released on YouTube and they stuff. Great, but yeah. people don't like regular people going don't about their that day that are. They don't seek that stuff out. Like it would have to, you'd have to search it out, or it have to pop up on like your YouTube recommendation. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm with you. I also, um, yeah, the pandemic, of course, and I. That's that was a point I wanted to make when I was talking about the domestic box office too. So that kind of can account for why it's a little bit off, a little bit lower as well from mm-hmm. the last movie of the franchise. But the other thing too is they released this the same week as Ghostbusters, right? Sony did. So and I know weird. they pushed they pushed Ghostbusters back, but it's so weird to me because it's kind of the same audience. This felt like they didn't have a ton of faith in this movie anyway, to be honest with right. you. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think they just kind of dumped this thing out there. Um, I don't think they were terribly enthused about what they had on their hands. And uh, even though I enjoyed the movie, I get that. I mean, I, I, I can see... I can see why they, you know, this is not, because it's not really a full-on horror movie, but it's not really a full-on action movie either. It's kind of a weird, it doesn't, it dips its toes in both, and that's not always an easy sell either. Um, It's too scary for an action fan to go see who doesn't like horror, right? There's too much horror stuff to it. But it's pretty damn action-y and silly and goofy, so it's not terribly scary very often. So it's, it's, it's... Yeah, it's a mishmash. It's a it's a genre mishmash a little bit, and and I think that can be troublesome for studios too. Um, I hate to say it, but I think that you know, it, unless this does very well internationally, and they do decide to go ahead and and, and take their chances with a sequel um, to this, I think we're probably going to see kind of a return to form for the Resident Evil movies when they come back. If we don't see Anderson and Jovovich come back for another Resident Evil movie, which I think is honestly likely, it's it's very possible. Um, I think we'll see something certainly closer to that vein, in that vein, m- much more action focused and less um, an action movie set in the Resident Evil universe as opposed to a Resident Evil movie, and, and maybe that's the way it yeah. needs to be. So 
so that's yeah so that's what i'm a two-part question for you now mm-hmm. what what do you think the future is of the franchise i know we've got a netflix show coming out next year i think yeah. and then what do you want it to be um uh, personally like if i could have my absolute perfect scenario um you take the first game and you truly adapt the first game as as some sort of series like a mini series like a six episode thing and and you know i recognize you can't do a shot for shot you know adaptation of that game like i said i don't want to watch somebody wandering around in halls in a mansion for for hours on end trying keys on doors that's not what i want what i'm saying is is take that story and and make it a kind of a six episode horror series about this group of people trying to survive the, a night in this mansion and, and find, you know, uncover the secrets of the umbrella corporation through their police work and try not to get killed by stuff. That's what I want. That, that would be aces to me. Um, what I think is going to happen is exactly what I said. I think we're going to wind up getting back into um, something closer, more akin to the action heavy uh, Kung fu goofball <laughs> Now is that what the uh, is that what the series looks like the Netflix series? I haven't seen any. I don't about know that. much of anything about the Netflix series beyond the plot, the, the the basic synopsis, and it does not sound like it's something I'm terribly interested in. Um, okay. It seems like it's this. It's like it's the CW version of Resident Evil. Um, oh, so it's something I'll be interested. Yes, in. <laughs> yes, it is about uh, Albert Wesker's teenage daughters. Played by Jeffrey Reddick, by the way. Uh, Lance Reddick, Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick, yeah. not Jeffrey Reddick, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Lance Reddick is playing Albert Wesker and his teenage daughters, and he moved back to what's called New, Ruka- New Raccoon City after some sort of... Uh, oh, my. And half of the series takes place in the past as they uncover what happened to Raccoon City and their father's involvement. And the other half takes place in the far-flung future where the world is dystopic and ruled by... T virus monsters. So this sounds not like what I'm looking for. I, I laugh. I've done this multiple times. I get Lance Reddick confused with Jeffrey Reddick. Jeffrey Reddick is the creator of Final Destination. Incredible. So, so, Incredible. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. two, two great Reddicks. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Cool. I think that is it then. That's what I wanted to ask you. Do you have anything else? Final words, uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, I think it's worth a look. Uh, if, if you if anything we've said has tempted you and you feel safe going to a theater to check it out, you're probably going to be the only person in there anyway, um, like Tim. But yeah. uh, and don't let anybody push you around at the like I did. <laughs> Yeah, They're like hey, if, if someone's if someone makes a comment to you, yeah, there's other thing. I was by myself too, so <laughs> the guy he was a real dick. But um, yeah, so don't let anybody talk bad to you. If you want to go to a movie by yourself and you're gonna be the only one there, go for it. Absolutely, just uh, yeah, um, check it. It's it's worth a look. It, it's a it. There are certainly much much worse, and this doesn't sound like praise all that much, but there are definitely much worse ways to spend you know, a little time in the theater than, than Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. And maybe you'll help ma- make enough money to warrant a sequel, which I would totally watch. So there you go. All right. Yeah. I have nothing else to say on this. What are we doing next time? It's our, I think are going to be our Christmas episode next time. I think is what we talked about. Yeah. So. I think you want to do something Christmassy, right? Yeah. Well, we want to do something Christmassy. Do you, uh, we talked about doing um, Christmas evil. I'm, do I'll, you wanna... I'll do it. 
<laughs> Christmas Evil, I think is if I recall correctly, is very trashy. So it is on it's on is it on Hulu? Uh I believe it's on Hulu. It's also on, on um Prime. I think you know, yes. I, th- I think it's on uh what's uh what's Tubi. Tubi? Yes. It's on Tubi. <laughs> to be or not to be. That is the question, and that is the answer is Christmas Evil, which uh was a 1980 film, and yeah, if I remember, it's uh pretty trashy. So I recall some trashy. Well, it's 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 from '81, right? And it's a yes. slasher movie, so that should tell you everything you need to know. It's basically the burning on Christmas. Um, yes, I don't know if that's actually the case. I can't remember. It's been a long, long, long time since I've seen it. Uh, Eve, yeah, eavesdropping on mother turns a boy into a killer who roams the streets dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> There you so. have it, man. <laughs> uh, the poster uh, this, is really incredible. It's awesome. It's awesome. And this is the, the director, Lewis Jackson. This is the only movie he ever made. That's amazing. amazing. <laughs> a real mic drop by Lewis. Uh, Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So we will we'll check that out. Oh, Jeffrey DeMunn is in it. All right. All right. All Excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, Check out the Midwest Game Nerds. They're talking about Halo. They're probably going to be talking about the Game Nerd or the Game Nerds, the Game Awards that are coming up. They might be talking about that new check, Texas Chainsaw Massacre game that was uh, announced earlier. Um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Midwest Podnet. There are plenty of, uh, if you just enjoy what you do and you want to help us out, we would very much appreciate it. And we do appreciate anybody who would us. Oh, I forgot to mention we had some, fe- not some feedback, but Tom, our good friend Tom, saw Resident Evil in the theater and he said he had a blast with it uh so he said yeah so hopefully we did we did well by tom tonight um because he he let us know that uh what a fun time at the cinema he said is it it's up there with the best of the resident evil films so i think we both kind of agree with that i would agree with that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i would agree yeah yes so um there you go. But yeah, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Midwest podcast, uh, dollar a month, all sorts of tiers. You can help us out. Uh, that would be much appreciated. Absolutely. So there we go. We will be back next time. Thank you everybody for listening and stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.